Hello and welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I am broadcasting from WOUF Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me again today. If this is your first time listening, hey, thanks for being here. If you haven't clicked subscribe or follow yet, be sure you go ahead and do so. I come up with new episodes every single Wednesday for you. You're going to want to check it out. That's right. And of course, if you love what you're hearing, be sure you click that five-star review or leave me a review. I'd love to know what you guys are thinking. On today's show, we have got a segment called How to Exercise Your Dog. Yeah, everything you need to know about exercising your dog, what it takes to get them tired. (laughs) Yes. Then we're going to have our breed of the week, followed by a segment called hiking with your dog. Everything you need to know about going on a good hike. Of course, I just had a wonderful week off up in the Blue Ridge Mountains, took some dogs with me, and I'm going to talk a little bit about my experience and again, what it takes to have a safe hike out there. Then comes our listener Q&A. If you guys have any dog-related or animal-related questions, you can email me, questions at speakadogcast.com. And of course, if you guys want to do some virtual training, you can also email me that email address, questions at speakadogcast.com. You can tell me a little bit about what's going on with your dog behaviorally, training, any issues that you're having, and then we can set up a consultation. We'll dive in depth into your dog's behavior, create an amazing training plan, and have a virtual training success. Yes, that's right. So feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to be a part of your training process with your dog. Now, I wanted to tell you guys a little bit about this amazing trip that I had. Uh, It was phenomenal. It was so great to have a vacation. You know, um, it was just nice to turn off a little bit. Uh, In my profession, a lot of times we'll have, we'll have client dogs here for weeks on end. And it's it's a great problem. You know, Um, it is, you can't be, can't be upset at having business, but it really doesn't allow me time to turn off sometimes, to reset, to take some time for me. And as I've talked about in some previous episodes, um, you know, I've definitely discovered the value lately of taking time off for myself. It's sort of like a plane going down. If you don't put your oxygen mask on before you put your kids on, what what good are you to them <laughs> if you're not there? So it's the same thing. If I'm not taking care of myself, then I'm not present. I'm not here and that's not okay. So I implore everybody, get out there and take some time off. Take some time to reflect. Um, Go to the beach, go to the mountains, go hiking, do whatever it is. Hey, you know what? Sit at home and do nothing. Do whatever it is that lets you reset and recenter. And this trip just really did that. It did. Um, I don't know if I sound more relaxed. I, you know, I don't know if you can hear it. Maybe, hopefully. I hope so. I do. I hope so. Um, but man, we rented a cabin up in uh, Blue Ridge Mountains up in Georgia. And we did some hiking in Tennessee, North Carolina, and Georgia. And we did some relaxation where we just turned off for a day and did nothing. It was wonderful. It really, really was. I will say this. This is, oh, geez. Okay, here's here's my Florida, Florida-ness shining through, I suppose. I guess I'm very unaware, and I was aware of the cicadas, <laughs> but I guess I was very unaware of... I mean, I don't want to say the noise because look, we, we've, we've got, let's start here. We've got cicadas in Florida and my memories of cicadas as a child are hearing them. Anybody that's been to Florida beaches, hearing them in the sand dunes and they make a very like cricket like noise is what I would more call it. It's a, it's a solid, like a re re right? Like, I don't know how else to, to kind of rough. 
But the cicadas up north that you, these 17 years cicadas, you know, again, I heard about it in the news before I went, but stupid me, stupid Florida boy, didn't think twice about it. And my wife and I, I'm going to tell you this quick story because it's just, oh my God. Um, (laughs) We got there in the evening last week. It was, it was probably like eight o'clock, I think, by the time we actually uh, got to the cabin. And so it was pretty quiet, right? It was nighttime settling in. Everything's pretty quiet. All was well. It was peaceful. We unloaded the car. We were exhausted. We made dinner. We sat out on the porch and it was just, it was peaceful. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. I think the temperature was even like 58 degrees that night, which was just, ah. So I said, Jen, let's, let's, Let's sleep with the windows open. Let's sleep with the door open. It's just so gorgeous. It was screened in in the cabin. It was perfect. Let's do it. Awesome. 5.30 rolls around the next morning. And I'm a little bit of a heavier sleeper than my wife. (laughs) And she got woken up to the noise of cicadas. However, she didn't know they were cicadas. And I get, I didn't either when I, so she wakes me up and says, David, there's, there's, there's like a car alarm or a car engine or something going off. Now I woke up and I'm listening to this noise too. I'm going, what, what the hell is that? Like, what? We're in the, we're up in the mountains guys. Like we're, we're kind of by ourselves. Our little cabins off. And I mean, all we can see is trees and mountains, maybe a cabin way in the distance. But I swear to you, it's and maybe you guys up north that are familiar with this, you're probably laughing at me hysterically right now. <laughs> Look, have a laugh at mine and my wife's expense, please, because I guess we're we're the silly ones. But again, we you know I didn't know. So yeah, she wakes me up. I hear this noise. I'm going, what the hell's going on? We really, it was like nothing I'd ever heard. It it sounded and hap- that day happened to be the loudest day of the cicadas that we were there that first morning it was hey good morning welcome to the blue ridge mountains (laughs) um so that was that was just it that was the ignorance stupidity whatever you want to look at it as uh of us going up there and experiencing this but man guys we i'm just i mean look i'll be honest i've been i've been really stressed out lately i've been worked overworked my wife has been stressed out and overworked um, as I've said before, you know, she'd been working really hard in school and, and getting her third, de- you know, her, her second master's degree and then passing the CPA exam and that she just finished it up. And then of course the way tax season has been with everything going on. And of course, just in general, everything in the world, we wanted a va- we needed a vacation. We were ready for a vacation. And then you get, to, <laughs> you get there, you relax. And then all of a sudden this noise wakes you up. It's like, holy <laughs> holy did we really just drive 10 hours for this um oh my god so we you know we can laugh about it now and we stuck it out because we we honestly we thought about getting in the car and coming home i'll just be very honest that noise was insane the first day that was crazy i've never heard anything like it in my life um and of course because you're in the mountains it just reverberates even weirder and more funky and it just Oh, it was crazy, guys. What an experience. But hey, what a story to share with you. So (laughs) hey, you can look at the silver lining. So I loved it. I loved that time that I got with my wife away. And it was it was just too much fun. So I just kind of wanted to share that story with you. Um, But you know what I didn't do yet? You know what I didn't do? I didn't give you guys that trivia question. (laughs) So let's give you the trivia question. And let's get today's show underway. Today's trivia question is, All dogs, all dogs are generally believed to be descendants from what prehistoric animal? Yes, all dogs are 
believed generally to be descendants from what prehistoric animal? And I'll give you the answer to today's uh, trivia question in the podcast. So be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the show. Next up on Speak Dogcast, it's how to exercise your dog. Yes, how to exercise your dog. It's the most important part of working with your dog. Yeah, exercising them, keeping them stimulated, giving them something to do. It, without a doubt, is the foundational building block of working with your dog. So how do we exercise them? You know, the first thing you have to ask yourself is, what is my dog? (laughs) What breed are they? What size are they? What are their needs? What were they bred for? What were they bred to do originally? These are all questions you have to ask in order to know how to exercise your dog, right? So as I've talked about before, you know, it's obvious, right? It's obvious. I don't need to exercise a tiny, tiny, tiny little companion lap dog that was bred to just sit on people's laps the same way as I'm going to exercise a giant working breed such as a German Shepherd or even for that matter, a Labrador, okay? So know your dog's breeds, know their exercise needs. Hey, (laughs) that's where it starts, all right? But for every dog, Every dog, you've heard me say this before if you've listened to my podcast before, but every dog on this planet needs a proper walk. Every dog needs a daily walk. There is a right and a wrong way to do the walk. Got to make sure you're doing it the right way. So when it comes to exercising our dogs, the first place we have to start is that walk. Uh, Look, you might be sick of hearing me say it. I say it at the end of every episode. Get out there and walk your dog because it's so important. Again, you know, I, I don't just say it because it's something to say, because it's something we do with our dog. I say it because of the importance of walking your dog and giving them that daily, consistent, healthy walk. Okay. Look, no matter if I'm starting with a puppy all the way up through something like severe aggression rehabilitation, it always starts with a walk. The walk is what helps us solve a lot of behavioral issues. The walk is what helps us head off a lot of behavioral issues. Make sure that behavioral issues never become a behavioral issue is by starting with a walk, okay? So how do you exercise your dog? It starts with a good quality walk. Now, I've done uh, multiple segments before in this podcast about how to walk your dog properly. Definitely go back, check those out. A lot of good information packed in there and you're gonna get that walk under better control. Now, shameless plug time. Uh, (laughs) Believe it or not, guys, even with virtual training, we can get your dog's walk under control. Yes, I'm offering virtual training now. So if you want to work with me, if you want to train your dog, please reach out to me, questions at speakadogcast.com. You're going to email me, tell me about what's going on with your dog. Look, even if it's something as simple as them pulling on a leash, maybe they're jumping on people. Maybe you've got something more severe going on. Uh, Give me a shout. Let's talk. Let's see if we can't figure out what's going on there. We can maybe set up a consultation and then we go from there. The virtual training's been working phenomenal, been helping people get their dogs to walk better and more. So definitely reach out to me. I'd love to be part of that training process. All right. Um, But getting back to it, guys, it starts with that walk. So again, go listen to my podcast segments, reach out to me for training, whatever you want. Make sure you're walking your dog properly and daily. Okay. So quick plug on the walk, right? Quick, quick thing about the walk here is as I've talked about previously, and I'm not going to touch too much on the walk today, but walks are 85% mental guys. 85% mental, 15% physical. I'm going to say it one more time. Walks are 85% mental and only 15% physical. Now, most people out there, we we treat it the opposite way. I think we do. 
you see most people treating the walk as if it's this physical thing, as if the dog needs to be pulling us down the street, sniffing every five feet, peeing on everything. They make it all about the physical side of it. But there's nothing mentally happening there. There's no focus. There's no engagement. There's no mission. There's no job. The walk needs to be a job. The best way to exercise your dog is not only physically, but mentally, okay? And the walk is the way that we accomplish that. So I can't stress it enough. Make sure you're doing that proper walk so you're not just getting the physical side but the mental side. And moreover, on that walk, if you're taking care of the 85% of the, the mental side of the walk first, then the physical side is just going to naturally come with it and you don't have to force it. You don't have to do this big physical thing. So it starts with mental exercise. Now, another little side note on the mental exercise is it starts before you even go on a walk. As I've talked about previously, guys, the way you let your dog out of the crate in the morning, the way you let them out the front door to pee first thing in the morning, the way you leash them up, the way you feed them, all of these things come into to ta- uh, come into play of the mental side of the training, the mental stimulation, the mental giving them something to do and exercising your dog mentally, okay? So I like that the, that I titled this segment today, you know, how to exercise your dog. Because when you read how to exercise your dog, what's your first thought? Hey, let's go for a walk. Let's go for a run. Let's play with the tennis ball. I can almost guarantee you that when you read that title today, how to exercise your dog, you didn't think about the mental side of it. Because naturally, human beings, we hear exercise and we think it automatically means physical. But how important is it, is, is it for us to exercise our brains, Right. Our brains need exercise, our brains need activity, and our brains need stimulation. And it's no different with animals, okay? It's no different with your dog. And what your dog is looking for is that job, is that something to do? And again, mentally providing for that through a walk and through other means are what's going to create um, stability and happiness for your dog, okay? So exercise your dog, it's not just physical, it's also mental, and we want to start with a walk. That's the first place we want to go. Now, uh, you know, something else I wanted to talk about with exercising your dog is, you know, I, I went on this vacation to the Blue Ridge Mountains, and I took Riker with me, my puppy, and Riker's just under uh, just under four months old, right? And even at just under four months old, you know, and I'm not, I, I, I'm going to pick on myself a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Uh, look, I'm from Florida and there is, especially where I live now, it's flat. <laughs> and when I say it's flat, if you haven't truly experienced South Florida, it is flat. <laughs> I used to live up in Orlando and um, it's amazing. You know, Orlando is not like hilly or anything, but it's hilly compared to South Florida. It might be, might as well be a damned mountain town you know, <laughs> compared to down here. It's very flat here, guys. And so when I go for a walk with my dogs, my elevation changes like five feet on a two hour walk. You know, there's, there's no huffing and puffing up and down mountains here. I'm However, when I went to the Blue Ridge Mountains, a little bit of huffing and puffing my first few days, oh my gosh, even just going up and down the stairs in the cabin we stayed in, you notice it, you know? If you're not used to elevation, you notice the lack of oxygen. Even if I'm not 10,000 feet like out west in Colorado, even at like 1,700 feet, it's it's effect. it affects me. It affects me as a little Florida boy. Um, so I had to get used to that a little bit. And it's no different with my dogs, okay? I brought I brought Riker and I brought Miss Leopard, the German Shepherd. And both of them, you could tell, the first walk, the first day we were there, uh, we didn't do a big hike. I just went down my driveway <laughs> and down the street a little bit, but we're in the mountains. So 
it, it, it's, you know, it's elevation and that elevation change kicked our butts the first day. So I was trying to, trying to conquer a little bit of that and get used to it. Um, but anyway, long story short, the point I'm trying to get to here, guys, is they, they handled it better than I did. <laughs> they handled the elevation change better than I did. And I took Riker on the second day we were there. I took Riker and, 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 and Leopard and we went for a big walk. Okay. It was a thousand feet elevation change up and then back down. It was, you know, up and back thousand feet. And, um, it was 2.8 miles, something like that one way, maybe a little bit less. So, you know, you're, 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 you're climbing, you're climbing a thousand feet pretty quickly. And by no means was it a really hard hike or anything like that. So please don't judge me. Um, it was rated a moderate hike. <laughs> I think a little harder than moderate in my opinion, because I did some other moderate hikes that were not even anywhere close to that. Um, but it, it was, it was a hike. And after the hike, after this big hike, we went back to the cabin, drove back to the cabin. I got there and Riker and Leopard started playing almost immediately after getting back from this huge hike. Now, these are two dogs that are not used to elevation. They're used to going for good walks every day, of course. Uh, and that's probably has something to do with it as I walk them regularly. And even myself, while I was definitely tired and winded, um, I was proud of myself. I'm going to pat myself on the back that I'm in better shape than I give myself credit for. <laughs> but I do. I walk a lot. I walk a ton. Um, and so that, that definitely helped, but, um, but the point is the dogs had plenty of energy guys. We got back from this really long, really strenuous walk and they're still ready to go for more. Wow. Dogs have a ton of energy and that's really the point I'm trying to make here. You almost can't exercise your dog too much. Almost. I say. Uh, because, of course, there is a point where you can exhaust them to a point of exhaustion, and that's not okay, and that's what we want to avoid. But in all the years I've been doing this, I, I don't, like, I'm racking my brain right now. I'm really trying to think. I don't think I've ever run into an instance where I'm, I look at a client and I go, man, you're exercising your dog too much. <laughs> I, I don't think that's ever happened because dogs are meant to work, guys, Okay. I know some of you have companion lap breed dogs out there, but I got news for you. You know how many breeds it took to make that breed? And do you know what those breeds were originally bred for? Most likely something physical, most likely a job, most likely working, okay? So as I say, it doesn't really matter the breed, the size. Every dog out there needs a proper daily walk or proper daily exercise. But of course, depending upon your breed, depending upon your size, that's going to change and you need to change and accommodate according to that. But I can almost guarantee you, guy, little little dog owners out there, little dog owners out there, I'm talking to you right now, your dog is capable of way more than you give them credit for physically. They really are. You know, I tell the story of when I'm out on a walk, um, sometimes, a lot of times, I'll have a lot of big dogs. I mean, I just, I come across training a lot of big dogs, more than little dogs. And there'll be times I've got like seven big dogs and then I've got Coco, my chihuahua with me. And it look, you know, of course it looks funny. You've got like seven big dogs here and then there's still a tiny chihuahua and she keeps up just fine. She does. But you know what? If I had a dollar for every time I heard this, oh, that poor little chihuahua can't keep up with, she's out of her The thing is, she actually can keep up just fine. If you actually watch what's happening, she does just fine. At the beginning of the walk, all the dog's tails are up. Everybody's got energy. We're happy. By the end of my long walks, the tails start going down. And then by the end of the walk, the tails are dropped because the dogs are tired. Except for Coco. 
Coco is the only dog in my pack who still has energy to spare after that walk, who's still ready to go. Chihuahuas are almost like little bulldogs, man. When you really look at them, like they're built like these little solid bulldogs. They're muscular, they're lean, they're fit. Little dogs have more potential than people give them credit for. And I'm not saying every little dog breed needs a two-hour walk every day or anything like that. But I'll admit, pet peeve time, when I see a dog, a little dog riding around in a damn stroller, it makes my blood boil because I want to look at them and go, you know that dog has four legs and is meant to walk on the earth, right? <laughs> Sorry, but it's true. Okay, so people don't give their little dogs enough credit that they're capable of so much more physicality. They really are. So while yes, there is a point you can exercise your dog to exhaustion, most people are never going to do that. Most people don't exercise their dogs enough. I mean, really, vast majority of people do not exercise their dogs enough. Okay, so know your dog's breed, get out there on a proper walk, get out there on a good hike. Look, I am jealous. While I love Florida and it is a wonderful state and it's beautiful and the beaches and the weather, summers suck. I mean, they do. They're hot. They're brutal. They're awful. There's, there's, there's no getting around it. Summers are horrible. Um, I, I'm, I'm envious of you northerners a bit. I am. I'll admit it because those mountains, that hiking, what I wouldn't give every day to go pick a different trail and go hiking like that in those beautiful mountains, that beautiful terrain with my pack of dogs. How cool would that be? So, man, if you live up north and you have access to some trails, get out there. Go explore with your dog. Give them something to do. And there's another side of it. Variety. Change up what your dog is seeing. That goes more on the mental exercise, uh, excuse me, mental side of the exercise, right? If you're doing the same boring trail every day or you're taking the same, you know, same walk around the block in your neighborhood every day, it's going to get really boring. Your dog's going to get bored of that. I got news for you. They are. They like routine, but too much routine can become mundane, right? So change it up. Give them some variety. Again, you northerners up there, you've got, if you're in an area that's got a lot of trails to choose from, check them all out. Go check them all out. Go give your dog different sights, sounds, and smells. It's going to really go a long way toward that mental exercise, okay? Um, now, I talk about walks. I talk about hiking. I talk about all that. And that's all really good stuff. And that's all the core. The walk is definitely the foundation and the core uh, of the training, of exercising your dog. But then there's the fun side, the playtime side, the throwing a tennis ball, the playing with other dogs, the fetching a stick. I definitely want you guys to be doing those things with your dog. Absolutely. And that's a core part of, of exercise. But, you know, look, I spent a week in the mountains and we really were. We were up in the mountains. So the cabin we rented really didn't, we didn't have a yard. We didn't have space. I mean, it was like, here's your parking area and the mountain drops off. So we really didn't have space to run around with the dogs. So it was even more important than ever that I took them out and exercise. Talking to you people that live in apartments, it's the same kind of concept, right? If you don't have that yard. So it was even more important that I got the dogs out and, and doing something and exercising them. And sure enough, when we got back, they handled being at the cabin and not having yard very well because I was physically and mentally engaging them and giving them something to do, exercising their brains and their bodies, okay? So keep that in mind. There's nothing wrong with playtime, adding that in addition, but it's important that you get that physical and mental foundational exercise, if you will, uh, done first, okay? Everything else is sort of supplemental. Everything else is great and wonderful, and we want to have that playtime, but it's going to be supplemental, okay? So 
you're not going to be able to exercise your dogs enough. <laughs> that's that's kind of you know, that's where we kind of have to end this. I'll be honest. You're probably not going to be able to exercise your dogs enough because you're probably going to get tired before they will. You would be shocked if you start ex- exercising your dog every day and consistently, you know, how much energy they really have and how much energy you can get out. So think about that with exercising your dog. Make sure you start with that good core walk, getting that mental exercise first, then the physical exercise. But always remember, dogs were built to work. Dogs were built to to uh, fulfill a purpose and fulfill a need. And it's your job to get out there and give them that purpose give them that need, exercising them, because that's what it takes to keep them happy and healthy. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's our Breed of the Week. This week's Breed of the Week is the Scottish Terrier. The Scottish Terrier, of course, they're a member of the Terrier group. Yeah, they're confident and known for being an independent dog. They do have that distinctive and dignified look with their beards and wiry coats. And this breed does make an excellent watchdog with those ears always being erect and always on alert. Their hunting instinct and prey drive, it's still very high in the Scotty, so they should always have a fenced yard and be on leash when out on walks. Speaking of walks, these guys do have a lot of energy. Yeah, so daily walks, it's a must, but they don't necessarily make the best jogging partner as, you know, what a a small run with a person would be is like running a marathon to them with their short and stocky legs. They can adapt well to most any environment if given the proper amount of exercise and stimulation, but you'll need to keep some variety in your exercise and training. The Scotty is a smart pup and can easily get bored with the same old routine. They do require a bit of care, regular grooming when it comes to that coat. They have that thick, you know, double coat that can require double the attention to keep it clean and healthy. And they are a generally healthy dog, but responsible breeders will look for Von Wilburn's disease and patellar luxations as well. The Scotty is an old breed whose origins are, of course, unknown, as with most of those older breeds. But we do know that they were originally bred to hunt rats, foxes, and badgers in the Scottish Highlands. The Scotties are actually thought to be the original terrier, yeah, the original terrier of which all terrier breeds descended from. It is believed that the Scotties can trace their history back, way back even to the Roman times. When the Romans first arrived in Britain, they described a small dog that would chase small animals that resembled what we think of as the Scottish Terriers today. Now, the Romans called these dogs Terrari, Terrari, I think it's Terrari, I didn't take Latin in high school, Uh, and that's Latin for workers of the earth, which of course that word is derived from the Latin word for earth, terra. Now by the 1800s, these dogs started to come in their own, finding the distinction between the English terrier and the Scottish terrier. The first Scotty that arrived in the United States was in 1883 and was registered to the AKC two years later with a dog named Prince Charlie. The peak of the popularity for the breed was in the 1930s and 40s when Humphrey Bogart and Betty Davis both owned Scotties. And a Scotty was a constant companion of President Franklin Roosevelt, whose dog Fala accompanied him everywhere he went. Now, of course, we all know the most famous animated Scotty from the Disney movie Lady and the Tramp, Jock the Scottish Terrier. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. 
At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and more. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. Located in Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. Next up on Speak a Dogcast, it's hiking with your dog. Yeah, we're going to talk about everything you need to know about going on a good hike with your pup, things you need to bring with you, be aware of, all of that good stuff. Now, I was uh, lucky enough that, you know what, I got a week vacation. <laughs> I am so thankful, so grateful, and it was just a wonderful time, a little reset. Maybe you can hear it in my voice, maybe I sound more relaxed. Boy, I hope I do. <laughs> but you know something, I found relaxation through exercise, quite frankly, you know, um, it's not to say we didn't turn off and do nothing for a little while. Cause we absolutely did. Um, <laughs> but I found relaxation through exercise and you know something, the more that I exercise and the more that I do it consistently, I find that it does bring relaxation. It brings stability. It brings, um, it, it brings centering, I think to your to your brain, to your mental awareness. Um, not only does it physically make you feel better, but it can make your, um, your your thoughts more centered. It can make you calm down. It can make you slow down. And having some good, healthy exercise and definitely in a different environment really felt nice. And it felt like a good little reset button. So um, I got to go hiking with my dog. Yeah. <laughs> It was so much fun, guys. It was so much fun. And the Blue Ridge Mountains, uh, you know, up in Georgia and, and Tennessee and North Carolina, that little area there, absolutely gorgeous and just awesome. Awesome. So hiking with your dog is, is you know, I, I think people take it too lightly. And what I mean by that is as I was out there hiking, and granted, it was very nice. It, was, it wasn't, weren't a ton of people out in the places we went, which was so wonderful. It was isolated. It felt nice. Kind of felt like you had to, had the trails to yourself a lot. But when I did see some people and people with their dogs too, I'll be honest, I was a little disappointed. And I don't mean this in any offense to anybody. The disappointed side comes with the lack of preparedness that these people had that I saw. And what I mean is... People walking without water, people walking without any supplies, people walking without backpacks, people walking without the right shoes on, uh, people walking with with no first aid. <laughs> um, look, I might be a lowly little Florida boy, um, but when you're going on a hike like that, and especially when you have elevation and rocks, and it's and especially if you're bringing your dog along, like look, you not take care of yourself, hate to each his own, but you're bringing your little pup along. You better have some supplies with you guys, you know? Um, I understand if it's like this little half mile walk around a lake and it's flat and whatever, but look, I was we were we were doing some 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 pretty pretty good hiking out there. Um 
And again, it just amazes me that people go out there so unprepared. I mean, we, you know, luckily nothing happened to us, nothing bad, no twisted ankles. We didn't come across any unruly wildlife. Uh, we didn't get stuck in thunderstorms on the mountain. Thank goodness we did get stuck in a little bit of rain, although we didn't have to stop. We could actually keep going. The rain was just beautiful. Oh, that was, that was one of my favorite hikes of the whole trip. It was awesome. But the point is we were prepared. We were ready for it. If we did have to do that, we had our rain gear with us. We had first aid with us. Um, we know what to do in those situations. And that's the point, guys. This is where it starts. Hiking with your dog starts with being prepared. And I know it sounds very Boy Scout of me or whatever you want to call it. And look, I wasn't a Boy Scout. Um, but I do believe in being prepared. My parents did raise me to think about the what ifs. Now, I've talked about this previously in my podcast. We're not going to get too much into this today. But if I'm so worried about all the what ifs, you know, and then I'm missing what's right in front of me, we're not going to get off with that today. But they had a point, and they have a point that it's good to be prepared. And my wife actually spent a lot of time up north in the mountains growing up and a lot of time camping and and really being out and exposed to the wilderness. And and she knows the importance of being prepared. Uh, she's, she's had instances where people have broken ankles on hikes or, or things like that, where you need to have supplies with you. So, okay, I don't want to, we're not going to go too much off on a tangent. Let's get to it. Hiking with your dog. How do we do it successfully? Okay. So like I said, it starts with preparedness. Now, two episodes ago, I did, um, I did my segment on road tripping with your dog, right? How to take a good successful road trip with your dog, supplies you need, a checklist. And it's really, it, it's amazing guys, how many of these things, add up, you know, like how many things you have to bring with you. It's, it's, it's almost obnoxious. You know, it really is. Um, but I'll just kind of run through it with you. It's obnoxious to have to bring all this, but it's really good to be prepared. It's really good to be prepared for those. What if, so I'm going to kind of run over, uh, some of the things I brought with me and how we prepared properly for the hike. Now, I, uh, the first day I went hiking, I actually went by myself with my, with two dogs and I brought, um, my, my puppy Riker, so not, not a big guy, but you know, he can, he can handle a good walk. And then I also brought uh, a client dog with me on this trip, believe it or not, Leopard the German Shepherd. Yes. Uh, she's been boarding with me for a little bit of time here and uh, she got to come on the trip and Leopard was also a pack mule. <laughs> no, but Leopard wore a doggy backpack and doggy backpacks are a great tool because it allowed me to put some water in there for them. So she carried their water and it was awesome. And it gave her a little extra exercise. And of course, I've discovered when you put backpacks on dogs and you, you know, you teach them how to, how to, how to wear them properly, things like that. They almost really love it. It gives them a mission, gives them something to do. Dogs really enjoy that. Um, so it's really great being able to put that on her, put her to work, and she really enjoyed it. And again, then it also has the practical use of her carrying the water. So that's the first thing I brought with me. Now, I also had one of those Camelbacks. Uh, for those of you not familiar, uh, Camelbacks are like a water backpack. It's like a water bladder that you wear in a backpack. It's got a tube that comes around. You can drink out of it. It's phenomenal. So it provides water for myself. And then, of course, if I'm in a pinch and the dogs run out of water, I've got extra water for them, too. So this allows me to bring plenty of water, a doggy backpack filled. They've got water bottles. And then I've got the Camelback on as well. So I'm really prepared. I have enough water to go around for all three of us not a problem. Okay. Now in this camelback, some of these camelbacks are really awesome. They'll actually come with a couple little pockets. They're not huge. It's not a huge backpack, but guys in this camelback, I'm able to put bandages like an ACE bandage. I'm able to put gauze. I'm able to put band-aids. I'm able to put antiseptics, Benadryl, 
Okay. Think about these things when you're on a hike. There's poison ivy. There's rocks I can twist an ankle on. There's rocks the dogs can twist their ankles on. There's thorns. There's all kinds of things they can get stuck with. So it's good that I have these things, you know, and these, and these items were not only human first aid items, they were from a doggy first aid kit. Okay. Another thing to think about guys, when you're going hiking, go on Amazon, just check out doggy first aid kits. They've got some great stuff out there with some great supplies loaded up, ready to go. And I didn't have to bring the whole kit with me. You know, I can pick and choose what I need depending on the hike, depending on where I'm going and what I'm doing. Um, but again, that Camelback really allowed me to load it up with things I needed. I even brought a tennis ball with me just in case I found a little opening in an area where if I needed to exercise them or whatever, I've got needed to distract them. I've got that ready to go. Now, I also put an extra leash. An extra leash goes in that Camelback. That needs to be put on the checklist right there. What if my leash gets caught up on a, on a branch as we're walking and breaks, frays? You know, and I, now it's a little frayed and I don't feel comfortable that it's not going to snap. Good to have an extra leash with you, okay? When you're hiking with your dog, you want to be prepared for the things that hopefully never happen. That's the idea. Think about all the things that could go wrong and think about a way that you can solve that and fix it, Right? Now, you know something I mentioned about bringing water for myself and for the dogs, and I said I've got water bottles in the doggy backpack, but one simple thing that don't forget to bring, your collapsible dog bowl, <laughs> right? I've got one of those silicone collapsible dog bowls that really stink to bring the water and water bottles with you and then have no vessel to put it in for them to drink out of. Um, so something silly, simple, but don't forget it. Uh, remember to bring that collapsible dog bowl with you. I've got a little uh, carabiner clip, clips right to my backpack. It's perfect. Or excuse me, my camelback backpack. Uh, it's perfect for hiking. So that's fantastic. Okay. Now, another thing on the list you want to think of, and it's funny, guys, the list kind of parallel between road tripping and um, hiking with your dog. The lists are, are very similar in a lot of ways because one other thing you need to consider bringing with you, look, if you're going to be doing a long hike or even a medium hike for that matter, um, you know, I, I need to bring for myself, I have to bring a snack. I do. I'm, I'm very, I need food. <laughs> like I'm, I'm useless mentally and physically without food. So it's good to bring a protein bar or something like that for yourself or, or a couple of those things, maybe something even salty, uh, some chips, uh, maybe not the healthiest thing, but it's good to have those kind of things to replenish because, of course, as you know, you'll be sweating a lot and you need salt and water to replenish that. Anyway, um, <laughs> I need to bring a snack for myself. It's good to also bring a snack for your dogs. Bring a little uh, Ziploc full of their food, not just dog treats, but something that actually has some good nutritional value for them. Uh, but if, yeah, if you're going to be taking a medium to longer walk, you definitely need to be bringing a snack for your pooch. Uh, keep that in mind because they're going to get hungry. They're definitely wait, you know, going through a lot of those, burning a lot of those calories as well. So keep that in mind that you might want to bring a snack along. Okay. So at this point, we've got our doggy backpack. Now, again, doggy backpack, guys, just a side note. Make sure your dog can handle that doggy backpack. It's not just about the size of your dog, but let's say, and again, just because I had a German Shepherd with me, she's two and a half years old. You know, I, I'm still not going to overdo it because I st she's still younger. Um, but a dog that's maybe, let's say, 10 or 11 months old, like a German Shepherd, where it's going to be a, a, a big dog by that point in their life. I'm still not going to put a backpack with water bottles on them because they're growing. And as we know, large breed dogs, the larger the dog, um, you know, obviously it's a, that's, that's a lot of growth they have to do in a very short amount of time. 
And it can actually be very stressful on their joints, on their muscles, on their tendons that you, you know, number one, you don't want to overdo hiking, running, those kinds of things in general, because you don't want to overdo, overstress their joints. And look, it's the same thing with my little guy, Riker. I'm not going for 10, 15 mile walks with him right now. He can't handle that. And that's too much. And even then I'd hike with him and then give him a little bit of, you know, give him a day off. Um, and I'm not hiking regularly in the mountains either, but the point is, I don't want to put too much weight in that backpack on a dog who's still growing, okay? It can really be bad for their joints. It can stunt their growth. It can create issues down the road, hip dysplasia. It can exacerbate some of those situations where maybe, um, you know, arthritis is going to come on earlier, <clears throat> excuse me, earlier in their life if we overstress those joints at a younger age. So I just want to throw that side note in there on a doggy backpack. Please be cautious. Please do your research. Even talk to your veterinarian about what they view as best because every dog breed can be a little different on what age you should start exercising them uh, more more intense, you know, having more intense exercise or being able to handle something like a weighted backpack on. So please take that into consideration when you're using a doggy backpack. But getting back to it, that's the first supply we want to think about being able to bring with us. Notice I didn't say I, I didn't put a backpack on Riker, right? Because he's still little, he's still a puppy, he's still growing. There's no reason we don't want to be overstressing his joints, okay? Um, so we start with the doggy backpack if we can, put some water in it for them, give them something to do, as well as giving them a job, uh, giving them uh, logistical reasons they're also bringing water with them. Okay, now myself, I had a Camelback backpack holding water for me, extra water for the dogs. We also have pockets on this Camelback. I'm bringing with me Band-Aids, okay, Benadryl, all those kind of first aid supplies, first aid supplies that are gonna be very important. Know your environment, know where you're hiking, know what the potential dangers and potential mishaps can happen because guys, accidents happen. Nobody's perfect out there. Even if you're an experienced hiker, you can still easily twist an ankle and it's good to have that ace bandage with you. Especially for myself, I was traveling alone on that hiking trail. You know, I need to be able to get down off that trail. I still got to make, crawl my butt down, <laughs> crawl my butt down if I have to. But man, wouldn't it be easier if I'd hurt my ankle if I have an ace bandage versus not? Okay, please be prepared when you go hiking. That's, I mean, to me, that's the best way to set yourself up for success. Think about everything that could go wrong and think about a way that you can make it go right. Okay, now, especially in the mountains, another thing to think about is checking that weather. Before I started my hike at the very beginning of the day, I'm checking the weather. I check the weather again when I get to my location. Now, I didn't always have cell, didn't have cell reception like the whole time I was up there. Um, <laughs> so sometimes that's hard. Sometimes it is. And I get that. And you can't always do that. But definitely want to be aware of the weather because you don't want to get stuck on the mountain in a thunderstorm uh, ill-prepared. Well, you don't want to get stuck on a mountain in a thunderstorm in general, but you definitely want to, don't want to do it ill-prepared. Okay. So days that my wife and I, we went hiking together and we knew we had the potential for rain. Now, both of us would bring a backpack. I took the Camelback. She brought a second back, a full like hiking backpack with her. We're not talking anything crazy like a camping backpack, but a hiking backpack full of other supplies. Okay. We would pack our rain gear in there. We'd pack an extra uh, blanket in case we need to keep the pups warm. If all of a sudden the temperature drops a little bit and it starts pouring rain, things that people may not think about. This is really important stuff when you're hiking with your dog. Guys, we're, we're, you know, we're literally talking about the difference between life and death. I mean, that's the thing. You know, hiking is a lot of fun, and that's why it really blew my mind on how many people I saw up in the mountains not just, just simple, not wearing the right shoes, 
no backpack, no water bottle, no nothing. I know some of these hikes are not 15 mile hikes, but again, guys, I was up there pretty alone on some of my hikes. I didn't see people every time I went hiking. What happens when you do twist that ankle, thunderstorm rolls in, and you have no way to protect? What happens when you have a dog who's going to get cold and all you have is a t-shirt and shorts on? You have no way to keep both of you guys warm. Okay, I know it sounds silly. I know it sounds over-exaggerated, but you know something? All it takes is one time with the wrong circumstances and the wrong scenario and not being prepared, and you are talking about the difference between life and death. It does happen. It can happen. So I'm not trying to like scare you, (laughs) but man, my parents had a good point by teaching me growing up that it's always good to be prepared. It really is. It's always good to be prepared, guys. So please, I implore you, make sure if you're hiking with your dog, you guys have a fun time. You really do. Because I mean, I, I, I can't even like the, 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 the mountains, the beauty, the views, the air, the, the scenery, everything there's no words to describe that feeling when you really get out into nature like that and you get to just experience it, you know? Um, it's something I wish, I, I want all of you to do. Everybody, get out there and explore nature around you, but please do it in a smart way. Please do it in a way that you're prepared. Please do it in a way that you are gonna come out successful and safe in the end, and so does your dog, okay? These, I, you know, I hope these little tips, these little uh, maybe checklists, things like that. And again, I implore you to go back and listen to my episode of Road Tripping with Your Dog because that checklist was a little more thorough, a little more in-depth, but really good stuff on both ends to help you be prepared to have a safe and fun hike with your dog. The answer to today's trivia question, all dogs are generally believed to be descended from what prehistoric animal? It's to mark us. Yes, a stealthy predator that roamed the plains of the grasslands of North America approximately 10 to 15 million years ago. Wolves, jackals, and coyotes are also believed to be descendants of Tamarctus as well. on Speak a Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. First question today comes from Will from Columbus, Ohio. Will asks, how do I get my dog to stop humping everything? Now, Will, I'm going to assume this is inanimate objects, maybe people, (laughs) maybe a little bit of everything. How do you get your dog to stop humping everything? Well, you know, first thing we have to ask is, is your dog fixed? Because if he's not, that's the first thing we have to eliminate. Look, when it comes to training, I have to eliminate biological factors that I can't control. Anything I can't control, we have to eliminate it as part of the problem. Um, Because otherwise, we don't know what role that's playing in the behavioral issue that you're having. But if I can eliminate that altogether, then that tells me right there, okay, it's not biological, it's, it's more behavioral. If your dog is still intact, if he's not neutered and he's humping things, I tell people to think of it this way. Imagine you (laughs) not being able to fulfill your human desires and needs. It's frustrating. Your dog is going to feel the same way to some degree. So I implore you, biology talks very loudly. Make sure you get him neutered first. That's the first place we have to start. Second place is just, well, quite frankly, trying to redirect the behavior. Um... 
Maybe there is a trigger specifically for the humping that you're unaware of, whether it be just something like playtime starts getting a little too intense or someone entering or exiting the house. Maybe triggers like that, something you haven't thought about. And if you can redirect before those triggers happen, if you can control his focus and redirect that before he starts humping something, before the trigger happens, then you're more likely to head off the behavior and not have it actually happen. Then you're creating a new pattern of your dog not humping and you're able to control their focus otherwise. Uh, But it's one of those things where a couple questions have to be asked first before we can really go about solving that problem entirely. Next question. This comes from Dick from Atlanta, Georgia. Dick says, my dog barks and spins anytime somebody comes in the house. It can be someone familiar like my wife or kids getting home or somebody coming to the front door. How do I get them to stop? Well, spinning is one of those things where your dog has chosen an obsessive behavior. Why? I can't read his brain. But a lot of times when I see something like spinning, believe it or not, it's a control issue. Yeah. Um, Your dog is attempting to either control affection, control people coming and going, uh, maybe, and this is kind of speculation without diving into it a little deeper, but dogs will displace displace control in very kind of just silly ways, ways that maybe don't make any sense, aren't logical, and spinning is one of the ways that they they do that. Or spinning can just be a, uh, it can be overexcitement that again has become obsessive and then snowballs to a point of not being able to be controlled. So how do you get spinning to stop? Again, this sort of kind of comes down to redirecting it, maybe trying to head off the spinning before it happens. Clearly, here's the nice thing with this setup, Dick. Dick, you've, you've got a trigger here, right? Um, you have a clear trigger of people entering and exiting your home. So what you have to do is you have to start setting up the entering and exiting. What I mean by that is you probably know what time your kids get home from school or activities. You probably know what time your wife's going to get home or even if you don't, they can probably text you and give give you a heads up, hey, I'm 10 minutes out. This allows you to get some treats together or leash together because you're going to want to leash your dog up. Anytime we train, we don't want to forfeit control. We want to create control. The leash allows us to do that, okay? So we're going to leash up the dog. We're going to create focus before the trigger comes, before they get into the house. Use some treats to redirect, get the focus on you. Maybe try to ask for a sit, a stay. And that way, if you're heading off that focus, excuse me, if you're controlling their focus before the trigger comes, before the people get home, then you're heading off that undesired behavior and you're more likely to be able to control that focus once they do get there, once it is triggered, okay? And then it's all about repatterning that, creating a new pattern, giving them something to different, do, different to do in that instance, and then being able to reinforce and strengthen that behavior. That'll wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. Don't forget to click that subscribe button or leave me a rating or a review. If you guys want to do some virtual training, email me, questions at speakadogcast.com. Let me know what's going on behaviorally with your dog. We can set up a consultation and get your dog's behavior under control. Have a wonderful week. And don't forget, get out there and walk your dog. <laughs>